Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to, well, we're going to call it tonight Dinner with the Rev, not Breakfast with the Rev tonight. So I apologize to everyone. Last week, I was not able to get something out last week. I had a problem. Funny and interesting thing was, was that I actually put together a, uh, the podcast, and when I went to hit the button, I thought it went through, and I got a, a note that it went through, and I thought everything was okay, and then my brother had texted me and said, hey, where's your sermon this week? And this was like in the middle of the week. Where's your sermon this week? And I said, what do you mean? I did it. And he said, no, there's nothing there, man. He goes, the last one on there about the armor of Christ is there, but you don't have the, um, a new one on. And I said, oh, boy. So I realized that I'm having some technical difficulties with my account. Uh, so I didn't get anything out last week, and I apologize for that. And it was getting to the end, in the middle of the week. I think I actually put something out on the Facebook page, maybe like in the midweek, letting everybody know what happened, or at least letting you know there wasn't going to be one. And I figured I'll just might as well just wait until the Sunday and get it done. So this morning, I come up, I'm getting ready, I got my coffee, I eat my breakfast, and I'm getting ready to do the breakfast with the Rev like normal. And what happens? For some reason, again, technical difficulties happen again. Good news is this time I didn't go through the whole process of putting together the podcast only to lose it. I didn't do it at all. I realized something was wrong. I had other chores to do. I had to do some stuff for church. I had to do some other things today for the wife. I had to put a... Uh, a light fixture in the kitchen. I had to paint the ceiling in the kitchen. Uh, thank goodness I have a small galley kitchen in my house. And I had to put a new faucet in today. And by the time all that was done, I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to do a dinner time edition of Dinner with the Rev, but still going to be called Breakfast with the Rev. So I had it myself. Uh, it's about uh, it's 6 o'clock uh, Easter Standard Time. It's June the 6th, Sunday, June the 6th. Uh, beautiful day today. It was hot hot day today um i actually had my son and my nephew came over and they put my air conditioning in the window for us they brought it from the basement it's a big unit and they put it in for us and i was actually get that out my house my house and the house itself was probably about almost 90 degrees and it was too much for me i can't function or breathe i have breathing issues uh, with uh trying to breathe anything over like 75 degrees is terrible especially when it gets muggy as it does here in new england at times so we got the air conditioning in. Things are good. I'm actually upstairs now in my bedroom. I had a, a burrito for uh, dinner with my son got me a burrito. Really good. I probably should not be eating a burrito because I look like a burrito now. But, hey, it is what it is. When you're 52 years old, you don't care anymore, right? <laughs> so I had a burrito for dinner, and my uh, and now I'm up here in the room, in, the, in our bedroom, air-conditioned room, and to go over now with you this week's sermon. So before we get started, uh, we're actually going to be looking today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, and I'll explain to you in a moment as to where the reason why I'm going to talk about uh, this particular topic today in Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through 33. But before we do that, let us quickly say a prayer to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you today for us being here today and for your blessings upon us. What a beautiful day it was here today. At least in New England, it was a beautiful day. Today it was hot. Could have maybe made it a little bit cooler, Lord, but thank you very much for that. <laughs> but it was hot today, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful weather we had. For the a, uh, the weekend that we had, it was very nice. Yesterday was a beautiful, it was a nice day. It was a little cooler, thank you. And it was a nice day yesterday. We had a really nice time uh, this weekend with the family, with loved ones, my daughter. Uh, who lives about an hour away, was able to come down and spend time with us, Lord, and I thank you for that. Our son 
had to work the whole weekend, but uh, things are picking up again, Lord. We were down, my wife and I drove downtown, Lord, yesterday, Lord, and we can see, Lord, that things are picking up again. You're blessing us again, Lord, letting us to go out, Lord, and we're starting to see family and friends now. And we bless you for that, Lord, and we thank you for that. And we bless your name, Lord, for all things that we have, Lord, in your, in your wonderful name through our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us everything through him for those of us that ask and truly ask for it. Lord God, we pray today that whatever I might say today, maybe it'll reach somebody out there. Lord, use my words, Lord, to reach someone. Use me, Lord, as a tool that people will maybe come to you, Lord. They'll, they'll come to you through through me. You'll use me, Lord, as a tool for them to come to you, Lord. For only people come to you, Lord, if for those you choose to come to you, for those who you reveal yourself to, not Matt, not Reverend, not Reverend Matt, who I, who I send them to. I don't do any of that. You, Lord, reveal yourself to them. And I ask you, Lord, to please help anyone listening today that maybe my words will help them, Lord, want to know you a little bit more, I pray. And I pray, Lord, today, Lord, for, for my wife and for our families, Lord, and for all families and wives out there, for husband and wife, for, for, for marriages, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we can maybe take the covenant of marriage just a little bit more seriously, Lord, in our lives, and we can try just a little bit harder, Lord, in things. And we pray, I pray, Lord. I pray, Lord, to put it upon our hearts, Lord, that when we have a covenant, of, a marriage covenant to you, put it into our hearts, Lord, to know that it is forever. And I pray, Lord, please, Lord, help us remember that, Lord, and give us the courage and the strength, Lord. The res- give us the, the, the submission and the respect, Lord, that we must that comes with a marriage. I pray unto you today, Lord, in Christ Jesus' name, amen. So, again, I want to welcome everybody tonight. And yes, guess what? You've heard it. My last part of my prayer was talking about marriage. And this is what Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 33 is all about. It's about the marriage responsibilities of the husband and wife. I found, I have found, at least in my life, that Ephesians chapter 5 can be a real tough one. (laughs) It can be real tough. It can be really hard to follow. But... I want to just, you know, I, I, I want to quickly kind of explain to you why I kind of thought about this topic this week. So, my wife and I, we've been married this past May. We were married for 28 years. I, I, we, I've had my ring on my finger for 28 years. And I was married when I was 24 years old. I'm 50, 51. I was 24 years old when I got married. And I was a young guy, freshly out of the Navy young kid, doing pretty good for myself, right? I mean, I was, I was in shape. Uh, I was doing, you know, I looked the part uh, back then as far as, you know, young and vigorous and whatever you want to say. And so throughout the years, 28 years, obviously I've kind of gotten a little bit, a little bit more rounder around the midsection, a little bit puffier if you want to say. And what happened was, was that about five or six years ago, I started to realize that the, my, my wedding ring was actually starting to get really tight on my finger. But it wasn't getting so tight that it was cutting off circulation. It was just getting tight. So I, I kind of let it go for, for years now. It's been, been years. And unfortunately, uh, this past year, I've been str- struggling with um, some... some uh, type 2 diabetes stuff. I was diagnosed with it a couple months back and other issues. So I'm realizing, I'm starting to see now that my, my 
I'm kind of getting a little bit more puffier. Maybe those of you who are getting my age in the 50s, just you start seeing these things. And and I retaining salt a little bit more. I try to be careful with all that. And, you know, my ankles kind of swell up or my fingers kind of get swelled up or my toes get swelled up. And they look kind of like little fat little sausages. <laughs> so I had to basically had to cut the ring off. So I went and I got a hacksaw. And thank goodness I did not cut my finger off. I cut some parts of my, my finger pretty good. But being the stubborn, as my wife said when I was doing it, instead of going to the fire department, which apparently you can go to the fire department, they'll cut rings off or anything like that that happens. Apparently they will. Instead of doing that because I wanted to be stubborn, I cut it with a hacksaw. Well, I got it off after a while and it took the ring off and it's off now. But now I've got an in, but now I've realized that I have an indent where my ring was. It wasn't a big ring, it was kind of a thin band. And I've got an indent there around my finger. So it kind of looks like I have like a flesh ring, if that's what you want to call it. But it looks like I've still got a ring there. It's kind of all red. And my finger around the area is all red and puffy. But you can definitely see that I have a ring there. And I kind of feel a little bit naked without it for 28 years, to be honest with you. And I really just want to get it back on. So my wife and I went down to the store, one of the jewelry stores, local area. And I actually found myself a really nice new wedding ring. It's got a cross on it. I really like it. And it actually has engraved around the ring. I don't know how they do this because you can't even read it unless you get a mic- unless you get a, a magnifying glass. But they actually have the Lord's Prayer wrapped around the ring. It's, it's, it's a, amazing. It's a little thicker than what I'm used to, but it's pretty neat. And, and, I, and so I can't really, I got it, um, ordered it. It came in yesterday when I went to pick it up. When I tried to put it on my finger, unfortunately my finger is still pretty swollen. I couldn't get it on around, past the knuckle. So, and I'm like, my finger's like a size 14, so what does that tell you? So, I ended up, I have to wait, the, the woman said I might have to wait about a week or two before I can actually get the ring back on my finger. So, I'm feeling naked without it, but it, it, I was going to talk about something totally different this week, and then it just dawned on me that I want to talk about marriage. It hit me last night uh, as I was laying in bed, and I said, I, was like, I really want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about the sanctity of marriage. I want to talk about what God's idea of marriage was. And then I want to talk about, really, I want to look at what is it about Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 30 that people just don't like. What is it that's in there that people don't like? Because if you read it, and we're going to read it right now, and we're going to read it, we're going to read it through and then talk about it. But what is it in these verses that really set people off? Okay, so, again, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at the verse 21. And further, and again, remember, this is Paul. This is St. Paul talking to the church of Ephesus, okay, talking to the, to, to, the, to the people of the church. He says, And further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. 
In the same way, husbands ought to love their... Excuse me, I'm sorry, I, I should have paused there a little bit. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So I I think sometimes that a lot of people, I do think, they kind of get... They kind of read through Ephesians. They start to feed. They're doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, they get hung up on these verses. And I think, clearly, that they get hung up on two major words. But the major word they get hung up on is submission. That's that's really the major thing people get, they get hung up on. Now, in, now let's, let's remember, okay, that God made man and woman, right? And in there, God made Adam and Eve. And in Adam and Eve, God made them to be together, right? And therefore, God, and God, what that means is that he was the one who invented or he instituted marriage. Okay? All right? And God blesses marriage. This is one of the, this is one of the reasons why we, when we get, we're unmarried, we stand before a church, we stand before God, and we say that I make this covenant of, you know, before God. And we also make it before God, and we make it before man. This is why we have witnesses that are in the church. It isn't so much the fact that we have people come, that they come and they, they party with us, whatever the case might be. It's really because we're sharing this wonderful event, but also we're making a promise before God and also before our fellow man that this is what we're going to do. Okay. But unfortunately, I feel that, I really feel that people today have really reinvented or I should say, change the meaning of what marriage is. And people, I feel that people have clearly moved away from God's idea of what marriage should be. Okay? I really do feel that way. I feel that we have gotten away from this, from this idea of, of what God is to do. And, and what is that idea? Well, we read what the idea is. We just read about it, right? We just read chapters, uh, verse 21 through 33. But we're going to explore more about this idea as well of what God's idea of marriage is. Okay. What is the foundation that God builds a marriage on? Okay. What is that foundation that God builds a marriage on? To me, when I read this, there are two major things I'm looking at. Submission and respect. Those are the two major things. And of course, the all theme. What is the common, what is the common theme in this in all of this that we're reading. The common theme here is Christ. Here's the common theme in here, Christ, and his marriage to his church. And overall, basically, and we're gonna we're gonna more we're gonna more break this up, but really what Paul's saying here really is that a marriage really is an illustration of Christ and his church, is what Paul's saying here. And there's a lot in there. There's a there is a lot in there. I mean we you could spend I've, I've heard pastors give seminars on this for like weekly a week's worth of seminar on just this alone of what marriage 
re- is, it should be. Because when you take a look at Christ and you take a look at Christ's love for his church, there is so much in there. <laughs> there is just so much in there that we could break it down for days. And I don't have the time for that, and I'm not that smart, so we're going to break a little bit down. So, okay. So, again, submission and respect are two of the things that I find with a central theme of the Lord Jesus Christ in his church. But submission and respect, boy, those are very hard words, aren't they? Those are tough, right? I mean, those are very tough if you think about it. We're asking basically what's happening here, and this is, and this is what I mentioned earlier to you. I think people get this far, and I think as soon as people get to verse 22 and they read this, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Oh boy, that's it, we're done, we're finished. And I think that, and I think that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I do, I think it really does. And I think that, from my personal opinion, I th- and I've heard, I've heard it. I'm, I'm not going to say I think. I'm going to say I know, because I've heard this, and I've even heard this from Christian, from fellow followers of Christ. I've even heard this from them, over the years of my life. I've heard this, and I've heard people stay. I've heard people stop and they say, "I just don't like Paul." I heard this one time. There was a Bible study that I was going to at, at a church, and the Bible study was talking about Ephesians. And quite basically, it was, quite, it was kind of funny. They were talking about marriage, and they totally skipped over verses. They, they totally skipped over verse... It was, it was verse 20... Again, it was, they, they, scoped, they totally skipped over verse 22 up to verse 24, and, went, and they went from verse 21 over to verse 25. <laughs> okay? And that, that's the part that Paul starts telling husbands what they should do. But they totally skipped it. And the woman that was reading the Bible study, she said, I just don't like Paul. I don't like him. She says, clearly Paul was never married. And clearly Paul was a male chauvinist pig. And this, this is, these were his words. Excuse me. These were her words to me. This was about 15 years ago. These were the words that this woman said to me. Clearly I just don't like him because I just think that he's a male chauvinist. That he's going to expect that I should be submitting to a man that I should submit to someone. So it's so yes, it's a hard word, and and I know that there may be somebody out there about to say, well, it's easy for you to say, Matt, you're not the person out there telling to submit. But wait a minute, wait a minute, it gets better, it gets better because because and it gets it does get better. Okay, let's go back though. Before we continue, before we continue on, let's take a minute and let's go back real quickly. To verse 21. Let's go back to the verse before verse 22. And what does Paul say in verse 22? He says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul says right away, Paul already sets the guidelines. He already set the groundwork here. Paul says, Submit to one another. So guess what, folks? Paul is actually telling both husband and wife that you must submit to one another. When Paul goes on and Paul talks about, when Paul goes on here and Paul says, okay, when he says on here, when he's telling the wives that you must submit to your leader, that you must submit to your husbands uh, as to the Lord, he's talking about more of a leadership role Paul is talking about here. 
Paul is not talking that Paul is not saying here that we're supposed to submit that a wife or a woman is supposed to submit to a man and and cook and clean for him and and do all these things that man now look get you, don't get now get this now that man has said that women are supposed to do over the years. That's inequality, okay? That's inequality right there. Men men have used the Bible. They have used these particular verses for many many years to be able to how do what's the word I'm looking for? To puff themselves up that they are better than the, their wives. That their wives' role in the house is a menial role, and that is a lie. That is a lie. Okay, that is a lie. A woman's a wife's role in the home is not menial, okay, nor is a man's role menial. But Paul's talking about here is leadership. Paul is saying here that submit to your husbands in leadership. Okay? All he's saying here is that as just as the wife submits to God, so just as you as a believer, and so do I as a man too, we submit to God seeking his will above our own. It says here that a woman should submit to her husband in his decisions. That doesn't mean that that doesn't that's not saying that we have to always sit there and we must we must uh, uh, do whatever they say. Doesn't mean that, okay? I, I said this the other day. I, I said the other day I, I put a post on It's funny. Nobody really comments about it, though. But I put a post the other day, and I said, why is it that people like to blame God for the evil that man has done in his name? It's just like blaming a father or throwing a father in prison when his son commits the crime. Why is it that we're so quick to blame God for the evil of men? Or we're so quick to blame Paul and say, well, Paul, you're a chauvinist because you just don't get it. And what Paul is saying here is that in the leadership of a family, you have the leadership of a man. Men are in the leadership role. And, if, and guess what? Guess what? Ladies ladies and gentlemen, guess what here? This, you might think that this, is an, that this is something to you, they're saying to you to submit and to do this and to do that, get on your hands and knees and grovel. That is not what this means. I once heard a pastor one time say that this verse really, even though it's even though it's saying for wives, it's really for men, really for the husbands to listen to what this verse says. Because remember, in verse 21, we are told to submit to one another in reverence of Christ. In our reverence and love for Christ, we are to remember to submit to each other. So we're already told we're to submit to one another. Paul just says now in leadership role, he doesn't say you submit and you do whatever you and you do whatever they say and they and you allow a man to to, to beat you or it, no it's not what it's saying here okay it's not what it's saying here what it's saying is in leadership role and it's basically really it's it's a it's a it's a it's really God saying to the man if you're reading this listen to what I'm saying here it is your role to be the leader in your home it is your role to make the right decisions for your family. It is your role to pray to me. It is your role to pray. It is your role to trust in God. It is your role to bring your family in the way of the Lord. That is your role. And if you do this correctly, then your wives will gladly submit to that leadership. Sorry. Sorry, I, and, and, and I'm not saying sorry, I'm apologizing for it, because I'm not apologizing for it. I, ne- I will never apologize for what God says in his word. I'm just saying sorry because I'm getting emotional on that, because I think this is what we've done today, is that we have, we have allowed ourselves 
to get into this role that I am not going to allow this to be like that. I will not be be told what I can and cannot do. Once I had one time, I had someone say to me one time, if 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 men, if the if man, if a husband, lived the way that God intended him to live in the marriage covenant, families would not be falling apart like they do today. Men have become cowards in that regards. Men have become cowards. They have, they have gone. They have forgotten what God has said is the covenant, to love and to hold, to protect, to honor, in death do us part, in sickness and in health. The minute someone gets sick, you don't leave them. The minute something bad happens, you don't leave them. We've gotten out of that today, unfortunately. We really have. We've gotten out of that today. Now, now I, w- I do want to say something real quickly. I, I want to say something real fast. I, ha- In my own experiences in my life, I understand that there are marriages, that, that there are, that not all marriages were meant or should be. So I want you to understand that. I am not in any way, shape, or form coming down on anyone out there maybe that are divorced or remarried. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing here. So please do not think that's what I'm doing. I am not, I am not make, trying to make you feel because your marriage or, or, because you, or the marriage might not have worked that that was the case. Because there are, I truly believe that there are marriages out there that I truly believe just were not meant to be. I, I just believe that. And this is the reason why God allowed Moses to have a marriage covenant. Not to, excuse me, to have a divorce covenant. A divorce decree. Look back in the Bible. A divorce decree started from Moses asked God, and God allowed it. Look in the Bible. You'll see it there. Okay? You go back to go back to the Old Testament. Luke Exodus. Go back and take a look. Go back and look at the first four books of the Old Testament. And you'll see in there that the, that Moses came before God and asked him, and, and God allowed the the, 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 this, the, the marriage um, to happen, the divorce decree to happen. Because there just were some people that just not be married okay so please i'm going to ask do not think that i am in any way shape or form trying to be negative toward anyone like that or anyone at all please i am not okay i am not what i'm saying what i'm saying here though is that for men out there you men you men be the leaders that you should be lead your family in christ if you're a follower of jesus christ i'm not talking to the non-believer. I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to those of you out there who are believers in Christ. Those of you out there who say that you believe in the Lord, that you make a covenant before God, hold strong to that. Hold strong to that covenant you made. Lead your family. Because, quite frankly, if you ask my opinion here, this entire chapter, excuse me, this entire, this entire verse here of from verse 21 to to 33 is for the man. It's for the husband and the marriage to listen up. Take heed. Listen to what God says. Take heed in it. What are you saying? But I'm going to go back at it. But again, we go back again and we take a look again at the very first, at first verse, verse 21. Further submit one another out of reverence for Christ. The bottom line is Paul is telling both the husband and wife He's basically telling us, he's telling you, submit out of reverence for Christ. He's telling you that you're putting, basically what he's saying here is this. If you're putting your needs of your spouse before your own, 
You will increase the marriage and your marriage will be blessed. Your marriage will flourish is what's happening here. Okay? And by doing this, we become living examples. As I mentioned earlier, we become living examples of what? Illustrations, living examples of Christ and his church. Okay? And interestingly enough... After we get through verse, after we get through verse twenty-two to verse thirty, uh, twenty-four, okay, which is about four sentences long, okay. And again, I'm going to say it again. I still believe this. This is really written for the man to heed up to listen to this, okay. But we now talk about. But now Paul starts at verse twenty-five until verse thirty-three. He talks about now for husbands. He goes on now, and Paul really lays into the husband now. He lays into them big time. Okay? And basically, Paul uses 11 sentences in those verses there. Again, keep in mind, remember, the Bible does not, the Bible does, the, the old manuscripts did not have verses. Those were put in there to make it easier for us to read the Bible, to find things and kind of go back and, you know, if we have questions about stuff. But there were no, there were no verse breakups in the Bible. Uh, excuse me, in the, in the trans, in the, excuse me, in the original transcripts that were written, the Dead Sea Scrolls, there were no breakups in there like this. Okay, so Bible verses were actually added more for reference purposes. Okay, all right, but in here, Paul basically has used eleven sentences now to really lay it on the men, really to lay it on the guy, as Paul's done here. Okay, so now he says, so now let's go back in verse twenty-five. Then he goes for husbands. This means love your wife just as Christ loved the church. I mean, we can stop right there. We can stop right there today at this at this juncture, and we can stop right there because that just says so much right there. Because I'm going to ask yourself, I'm going to ask every one of you out there listening to me right now a question: How much do you think God loves His church? Ask yourself that question. Stop for a minute and say, How much do I think God loves His church? Hmm. Well. A little bit? That means I don't know. Well, we do know. God loves his church. And why did the Lord Jesus love his church? The Bible says that the church is God's bride. So the church is God's wife. The church is Christ's wife. Well, God is Christ when I say it, but the church is Christ's wife. It's his bride. We say, and Paul says right away, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And we go on. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. If that alone, for you husbands out there, should be enough to tell you that you give up your life for her. I saw a thing the other day on social media and it's a it's a question. They say you know, they say what's wrong with this what's wrong with this picture? And it was a picture of a man and a woman walking on a sidewalk, and the man was walking in towards the buildings, and the woman was walking on the side of where the cars on the side of the street where cars were going. And said, "What is wrong with this picture?" And it was so true because the matter what was wrong with the picture basically was that, and I always find myself doing is that the husband, the man was walking on the side of the building and the woman was walking by the cars in case something ended up coming off, jumping off the curb. How can he stop his wife or help his wife or even die for his wife if he's on the inside? 
Now, of course, some of you could say, well, wait a minute, maybe he was walking there because maybe he was worried about something falling out of a window, like an air conditioner or something like that. <laughs> but that wasn't the purpose of the, of the picture. The purpose of it was to say that you should love and die for your wife. Can you imagine if we held that same principle in our marriages, that we would die for our wives? Now, now, many of you know me. Now, look, many of you know me. That Many people out there that know me, maybe listening to this, that know me and been married to my wife for 28 years. My wife is a tough woman. Okay, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go back real quickly. I meant, to mention, I meant to mention this earlier about the submission stuff. My wife is a tough woman. She's tough. She is hard. I mean, we've had, I mean, you know, when people sit there and they say, you know, oh, okay, you know, you know, seven, the seven-year itch is tough. Well, well, I'll tell you what. My wife and I, we've had seven, 14, 21, and 28 years, seven increments for four times of how tough marriages can be. Okay, we've had our times. As a matter of fact, today, for, for instance, today, as I mentioned to you, it was hot, and I'm, I don't do good in the heat. I, I don't like the heat at all. I can't breathe in it. And my, and my, my son's dog, my son has this, uh, this uh, app, on, and my wife actually has, she's logged into it somehow. And it's a, called Furbo, and basically the, his dog at his apartment starts acting up or something like that. Then the Furbo tells us that something's wrong, and we then, you know, look, you know we might have to do something about it. So... His dog, which normally doesn't do this, but his dog was barking like crazy. And he lives in an apartment, and he lives about four, about 15, 20 minutes away on a good on a good time on a good day. But through traffic through here where I live, traffic or through the tourist season, it could take me like forty five minutes to get to his place. So my wife, my wife is going somewhere. Her mother and her sister they're going to the cemetery to plant some flowers at my father in law's grave. And my wife says to me, "Would you mind going quickly over to the his apartment, please, and see what's wrong with the dog?" The dog's barking like crazy and won't stop. The neighbors are going to start complaining. And my son was working and my nephew, they were both working today. So, of course, you know, I didn't... Uh, no, I really don't want to do that, but okay. Because I wanted to get this, this podcast done. So I get in my car and I... Choo, I get in the car and I go. And I'm... Honestly, I don't hold nothing, I don't hold anything back from any of you. I was in the car not happy. I was grumbling under my breath. Under my breath. And there were times where the old sailor almost came out of me too because I was not happy with having to do it, okay? But I went. I got there after about half an hour, 35 minutes, again, 15-minute ride. took me another extra 15 minutes to get there. I get there. I'm hot. Thank goodness I had air conditioning in the car, but I had some music on, so it was good. And I get over to his apartment. I get there, and as soon as I open the door, what's there? Well... My, my son's ex-girlfriend, she's a really sweet girl. And when my son, a couple years ago, this dog's about three years old now, they were together at that time. They got the dog together. Well, she's such a sweetheart. She comes over and she walks the dog um, every day. And she loves the dog like it's her own. Like, it's kind of like their kid, you know. And so she was there. And I was not happy. I, I was, it even got me even more fueled up because here I am. I just spent all the time to get there when she was there anyway. And I said, oh, I said, hi. And um, I'm not going to say her name. But I said, hey, honey. I said, how are you? I was nice to her, obviously. I said, how are you doing? And she said, oh, she said, that's okay. She said, I just let you know I took him for a walk, and he peeped, and he pooed, and he did all this stuff, and he's good to go now. And she said, the problem is, she said, she said, um, she said I think there was a, there's a, one of the, your, the neighbors are having a party, which they were. They were outside having a party and barbecue, and she said, and he, he's just going crazy. So, uh, and he's a big German shepherd. He's like 110 pounds, so he's going nuts. 
So I said, oh, thank you so much. I said, okay, thank you, honey. I said, well, do you mean to do anything? She said, no. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go back home. I got to get some stuff done, specifically my podcast, and I'll see you later. She said, okay, bye. And I got in the car, and I grumbled all the way home. (laughs) I spent an hour of my life going over there in the hot weather for nothing. And I'm grumbling, 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 grumbling. (laughs) And then my wife calls me on the phone. And it might not have been the best time. She calls me on the phone. She says to me, where are you? And I it almost, and I, like, I saw red. And I was like, what do you mean, where am I? I just spent the last hour traveling because you told me to go see the dog. And the dog is found me because, it's, because so-and-so is over there now taking care of him. And I kind of, like, slammed the phone, like, the, threw the cell phone down. And then I think the Lord was putting on my heart because I think he put on my heart that, okay, you're supposed to talk about marriage today. And how you're supposed to treat your wife. And how you're supposed to lead by example. And this is what you did. And this is what you're doing. Boy, I'll tell you. Boy, Matt. I think this. You got a, this is a problem with you, man. I think the Lord really said. I, think, I, I heard him say to me. You got a problem, man. And he was right. He was right. But do you see how those simple little things can just really set you off? Those little things like that can really just kind of get you. And knock you really angry at someone because of it. And who's the person you're going to get angry with? What's going to be your wife? My wife and I have times too where I'll even say on the flip side where my wife has even said to me where our mother-in-law, she lives with us. She's been with us for like 19 years. She's in her mid-80s. And we've, you know, and it hasn't been, our house isn't big. Our house is not big at all. And one of our rooms downstairs, we have a, a room downstairs off the living room and off the kitchen living room area that she lives in. And it's not easy sometimes for me privacy-wise, things like that. But there are times where my wife, where my mother-in-law has gotten tough and she doesn't want to eat anything. She doesn't want to do much. She had a stroke a couple years ago and she's good and all, but she's kind of changed a lot in that respect. She doesn't want to go out much anymore, isn't really active anymore, isn't really, you know, this was a woman who who came from another country when she was in her her 30s, brought her daughters here, who basically raised them here, who worked, you know, was very, very independent woman. And now in the last few years, obviously, in the age why she's becoming quite dependent on my wife and her sister. And my poor, and so my wife sometimes, you know, they'll get into arguments and they'll get into fights, and my wife doesn't want to take it out on her. So she'll come out and she'll, and she'll say to me, and her and I will get into arguments because she's just upset with her, and I'm the closest thing that she can come after. I mean, she's even said to me many times, I apologize to you because, and my wife is not an easy person to apologize. <laughs> she's, my wife is not an easy person to apologize to you, okay? And she basically came out and she said, I'm sorry. She said to me at times, I'm sorry, I know you're right, I'm taking it out on you. Uh, because I'm just upset and you're the only person I could take it out on. So, so again, I'm telling you all this because, yes, marriage isn't easy. It's not easy. It isn't. But a lot of times like that, in my role as a man, in my role as a, as a husband of this, of this marriage, I will sit there and I'll take the leadership role saying, that's okay, honey, that's okay, I get it. I get it. The next time you and your mom are going to argue about something, why don't you talk to me about it afterwards? Or, or maybe you and I could talk about ways that we can make it easier for her. Or make it easier for you. Or maybe we could talk about ways of getting your sister more involved. Today, I got home from my today and I went to her and I said, I'm very sorry, I said, for the way I was. I, I, I took it out on you for something you really had no control over. Because quite frankly, she did not know that the other person was going to be there. It wasn't her fault. She asked me to do her a favor and I could have said no and I did it anyway. And I got upset because I, and I got upset for no reason. So when it was done, I said, and I, my role, and I said, okay, honey, I said, next time, I said, and she said to me, well, maybe next time we can maybe call so-and-so and we can ask her if she's going to go over for us 
uh, you know, if that happens again, maybe we can call her first or text her first to say, hey, do you plan on going over there anytime soon because this is what's happening? And if she says yes, then, you don't have, then we won't have to go anymore. And we both talked to her. We said, you know what, that's a good solution. And that's what we're going to do. Loving your wife like Christ loved his church. Giving up your life for her. To make her holy and clean. Washed by cleansing of God's word. You know, if, you know, man, if you live a godly life, if you live a life, if you live the life that God has chosen you to live, if you really love your wife like God loved, like Christ loves his church, basically the bottom line is that God puts that church up on a pedestal. Christ puts his church up on a pedestal is what he does. I tell people this all the time. When I marry people, I tell them all the time. I use this all the time. And I say to people all the time, God puts you up on a pedestal. Christ puts his church on a pedestal, and therefore you should be putting your wife on a pedestal as well. I treat my like I treat my my wife like the queen that she is because she is a queen. Because that's exactly what she is. She is a queen. And this is how wives should be treated, like queens. Like queens. And they should also, let's go back to verse 21. What do we say? And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of our respect for the Lord Jesus Christ, we also respect them. Because here's the other thing too, folks. Here's the other thing too. If you're married to a woman that's a believer in Christ, or let's, well, let's put it two ways. If you're married, first of all, to someone to another believer in Christ, guess what? When you're yelling and screaming at them, this goes, this goes to both, both of you, spouse, both spouses. If you're yelling them at them, if you're cursing or saying things to them and, and, and bad, foul language, guess what? You're cursing and yelling at the Lord Jesus Christ because guess what? He lives in that person. He lives in that person. Okay? All right? And the same goes as well. And the same goes here for, for what, what if you're not? What if you're not married to a person that, that's a believer in Christ? What if you're not married to a, to a, a fellow believer? Ladies, what if you're not to your husband? Husband, what if you're not to your, to your wife? What if you're not? Then maybe perhaps your actions will bring the non-believer to the Lord. Maybe those will bring the non-believer to the Lord. Okay? Maybe that will bring it to him. Maybe that will help. Okay? Because this is what we should be doing. This is what we should be doing. We should be, we should be an example for the rest of the world in our marriage. Because I said to you before, we talked about this last uh, our last time we talked about the, the armor of Christ. When you put on the armor of Christ, if you don't put on the armor of Christ, and there have been many, as I had mentioned last time, televangelists that have not put on the armor of Christ and have not lived correctly and have been and have been adulterous to their wives and have treated their wives like garbage and have done horrible things to their wives. Okay? And what has happened to them? Because of that they have fallen and they've fallen greatly. And what does the world see? The world does not see the good things that were done. The world does not see maybe the 50 million other good things that the person might have done. What the world sees is the one horrible thing that they did. And that's what the world always focuses on. The world doesn't focus on the good guys. The good guys like, like Pastor Greg Laurie, the televangelist Pastor Laurie, or, or, or Billy Graham. The world doesn't focus on them. As long as things are going on, yeah, people kind of let things go. But the minute something happens, the minute they can find something, a little kink in their armor, right? We talked about that. A little chink in their armor, they call it, right? The minute that happens, they put the blade in there and they draw blood. And the minute that they see blood, like sharks to water, they start going after that blood. And they start swimming around it and they start attacking. 
And this is what happens. What this is what happens in, in a in a fam, Christian family or a believing family's lives. So what happens if what happens, man, men, husbands, if you're the husband, and what happens then if you sit there and you don't treat and you don't do what God says you're supposed to do here? You don't treat your wife that way. You don't treat your wife like God treats His church. You don't treat your wife like she's the only thing that there is in your life. You don't treat your wife like she is the queen of your home, putting her on a pedestal. You don't treat her that way, right? Okay? What is it? What happens? What happens? Well, if she is a believer, maybe perhaps she starts not believing anymore. Maybe her faith in the Lord starts to wane now because really... She's looking at you now, and you're this person that's supposed to be, this person also says they believe in the Lord, that they believe in what God says, and that you took this marriage covenant really purposely, you took this marriage covenant seriously, and now all of a sudden, you're not taking it seriously anymore, and you're treating her like she's second rate? What happens? Well, it could start to wane her faith. What happens if she's not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have the opportunity, through your actions, to now to help her, to help for the Lord to be able to reveal himself to her? And to, and to soften her heart now for the Lord. Because she could see now that, hey, this guy really is good as what he says. And again, I'm, and, and again this, this, applies to, this applies to wives as well. This applies to wives with, with, with non-believing husbands or believing husbands as well. It applies to both. Okay? So what happens when we don't do these things? What happens? Their faith starts to wane. Or maybe they don't, if they didn't believe in the first place, maybe now they don't believe at all. Oh, you hypocrite. What a hypocrite you are. You say this way you're supposed to live and that you're doing this. You're looking at these things online. You're looking at these disgusting things online. You're doing these things you're not supposed to be doing. You're going out to these clubs or strip bars. You're doing things that you say, but yet you're not really following what the Lord Jesus Christ says. We must treat our lives, our wives, like Christ treats his church. We must be examples, loving examples. Okay? That's what we must be. And we must also, husbands, we must also love our wives like we love our bodies. We must love our wives like we love ourselves. Why is it that we find it hard sometimes to love someone who just really only wants us to love them? And why is it sometimes that it's so hard sometimes to love somebody like we want to be loved? Right? Right? We always say, right? What do they say? What do we always say? Treat, treat others as you want to be treated. You hear that a lot, people. Treat others as you want to be treated. We find it very hard to do that, though, don't we? People find it very hard to treat others as we want them to treat us. We find that, don't we find it kind of hard, don't we? Sometimes it's not easy. Well, it is easy, actually. But we find it hard to do. And we're told here from God, we're told from the Lord here, you know, in chapter, in verse 28, that we're supposed to love our wives like we love our own body. Because it says here, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. I mean, isn't that, isn't that a concept? Isn't that a concept? That if you're a man, I mean, what do people say? What do people say when you, if you go out and you're in public and you treat your wife like, like the queen that she is and you treat her with love and respect, what do people say about you? Boy, that guy really, that's a really nice guy. That's a good guy. There. That's a good man. That's a good catch. That's a good guy there. You you don't see people saying other things about you. What a horrible guy. He treats her so good. You don't hear any of that. You see, people out there will say to themselves inside their heart, they say, boy, wow, that guy is really good to his, his wife. He loves his wife. Look at him. That guy really must love himself. And on top of that, I really want some of that. And I want to know what that's all about. What is that? Again, 
Again, examples are illustrations of Christ and his church. Christ and his church. He says that no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Just as Jesus cares for the church, we are members of his body. So again, we go right back again to that main theme of Jesus Christ. We go back to that main theme of Christ, Jesus Christ and his church. No man who hates himself will feed himself or will make himself better. No, you don't. No man will do that. And just as Christ loves his church, as Christ loves himself, as Christ loves us and loves his church, we are to do the same. We are to do the same with our family, with our spouses, with our loved ones. And as scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. For this is a great mystery. And here we go again, folks. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Submission and respect. Two hard words, right? But it goes both ways. Again, I truly believe that these verses that I've read, starting at verse 21 to the very end of here, I truly believe that this is really more of God, of Paul talking to the man of the relationship and saying that this is the way it should be. This is how you should be. You are to be a leader. You are to love your wife. You are to treat her like Christ treats his church, willing to die for her at every turn. Willing to die for her. Willing to give up your life for her. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Now, I think I've clearly shown you that it's not always that easy. I think I've given you stories about my own life that kind of show you that it might not be easy sometimes. I've known people that have been married for a lot longer than I have. And then you might ask them and they could probably give you a different reason of how they've survived this long. And I've seen many marriages, I've seen many marriages, my own experience, I've been married for a long, long time, that there's just nothing there. It just, it just, it just, let's just go on because that's what you do. I saw this really, I guess, really neat movie the other night, my wife and I were watching, and my wife and I had this discussion. We had, we had, actually, we actually had this discussion about, about Ephesians. We had this discussion because as I mentioned earlier, my wife is not someone who's easily submissive to anyone. Okay, not at all. <laughs> and we've had this discussion, and she and, and she also agrees in the same stuff here too that we have to that we have to follow, you know this this example that we're told to follow by God. You know, we have, you know that, we, that we must follow these examples of what God tells us. I mean, as, you know, one thing that my wife was, who said to me, and she's a lot smarter than I am. She says to me, "Boy," she said to me, "If we followed what God tells us in the Bible, if we followed God's example of how a marriage is supposed to work," as she said to me, "Do you think that we would have the problems that we have today with marriages? Do you think the divorce rate would be as bad as what it is today—a fifty percent divorce rate? Actually, and it's, it's even it's even starting to be more than that." You know, and that was her thing to me. You know, she, do you think we'd be there today if we actually did what you said to do? If men really were men enough to lead their families, and if women were really willing enough and, and, and loving enough and, and women enough to be able to let their to, to be able to submit to their husbands and, 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 to, and to understand their husband's job in the family is to do this, would we be where we are today? Would we have the struggles and the divorce rate that we would have today? And I have to say, there probably not. 
Probably not. Maybe some of you out there might disagree with me on that. Some of you might not like what I'm saying at all here. But the bottom line is we would not have that. We would not have the problem we have today if we follow what the Lord tells us to do. And again, this this isn't this again again this isn't a submission on your hands and knees. Somebody's slave submission. This isn't allowing somebody to beat you. This isn't you know or, or 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 I shouldn't say allowing. I shouldn't say allowing. That's not that's not the right word to use. I should say this is not the Bible is not sayings. The Bible, Paul is not saying that you should that you should allow someone to be that way, to treat you that way. That's not that. This is not what Paul is saying. Because the bottom line, as I said earlier, basically this all this this right here, Paul uses a lot of verses to tell men how you should be in a marriage. And unfortunately, yes, men have used this in many many years. They have used this over the years to be able to somehow have dominion over their wives. And it happens a lot in churches. I've I've seen it in churches. I have been part of churches since I was a little kid. And I have seen it in churches. I've seen it in churches. I've seen so-called Christians who treat their wives like trash, like garbage, because they think that God's telling them that's what they're supposed to do. I'm in charge, and you do as I say. And that is not what's being told here. It's not what he's saying here. Again, I, I'm going to revert always to verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul is telling us, God is telling us through Paul, submit to one another as reverence to Christ. Submit. Submit. Respect. Love. That's what we're saying here. This is what's being told here. And this is what we must do. This is what must be done. Remember that. So, in closing, I just want to say thank you very much for listening to me tonight. I think that we can, I think that if we, if we can live this way, if we can sit back and think about what does God say, I, I would encourage you to read, to read this book, to read this chapter, to read these verses, chapter 5, verse 21 to 33 that I just read to you. I would encourage you to read it. I would encourage you to read it a few times. It took me a few times to read it. And I would encourage you to read it a few times. And I would encourage you to take a moment to think about what this says and take a moment to pray to God and ask him, what are you trying to tell me? Is my marriage, you know, are there, are there those of you out there that are having trouble with your marriage right now? Are those of you out there that really, that really just, that really want to, that really know, you know, you, you, you love your wife, you love your husband, but you just don't know what's going on. You don't happen to know what's happening in the world. I mean, there's so much stress in the world right now. There's so much happening right now. There's so much going on. The world is only starting to open back up again. There's so much happening right now. And people are, are blowing their tops to each other. They're getting, they're, they're just upset with each other. Maybe it's just time to sit back and pray to the Lord and ask him, God, what do you want with my life and my marriage? What is it you want from me? What is it that I'm supposed to do, God? Please show me what is it that I'm supposed to do. Ask him that. Read Ephesians. Read what he tells you here. Read what God says. Read what Paul says here, through what God says to Paul in his book. Read it. And remember that, and remember that everything that we do in our marriage, in our life, everything that we do is an illustration or an example of Christ and his church. Christ and his bride. His bride that he died for. His bride that he mounts up high on a pedestal 
making his bride blameless and righteous before God. That's what Christ does with his church. And this is the illustration that we're supposed to do with our family, with our wives, with our husbands and our wives, with our marriages. Remember that. Remember that. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you today for these wonderful verses that we read today on, on marriage. It spoke to me. <laughs> I could do better. And I pray, Lord, help me to do better in my marriage. Lord, please help me, Lord, do better. Help me, Lord, to not get not get quick to anger but slow to anger help me lord to have patience help me lord to have respect and help me lord to submit to my wife and submit and love her the way that you asked us to love our, to love our families and our wives and our husbands as christ loves his church please lord i pray lord that those who are listening lord wake us up every day and ask and lord we can ask every day lord what is it today that we are what you would like us to do for our spouse what can we do for our spouse today lord I beg, uh, let's, let's, Lord, help us, Lord, to put that into our minds. Help us to put into our, into our minds. What can we do for our loved one today? What can we do today? Simple, maybe as not saying anything negative to them. Maybe just saying, I love you today. That might surprise some people. <laughs> maybe making a nice little dinner for someone. Maybe going out. Spending some time together to go out. Maybe these are things that, that Lord, that you can help us do. Maybe there's things you can put into our minds, Lord little things like that but help us lord to remember lord that we must pray to you at all times and always ask you lord to please help us to remember that it is an illustration that christ jesus loves his church and that's how our marriages should be and also lord help us lord that maybe our examples will be an example to other people out there and they will see that and maybe we might not know it lord maybe we may not even have a clue but maybe it'll help them in some way in their marriage we just don't know today Lord we pray thanking you for all things Lord I ask you Lord to bless those listening to us this week Lord tonight excuse me and bless them the coming week and watch over them Lord please help them Lord they have a great week at work and wherever they might go wherever life might lead them Lord or wherever you may take them Lord I pray Lord and we ask you Lord to please watch over your, your family please Lord watch over your children please Lord watch over your church for that's what we are blameless and righteous unto you lord and please lord help us lord to remember that and we pray this lord today through all that you are lord in christ jesus wonderful and loving name we pray amen so thank you again folks for listening to to me today i i hope that in some way shape or form that i um somehow i hope was able to to give you some encouragement in your marriage I would, I would, you know, I would say if you are having trouble in your marriage, maybe go to your, find your, go to your, if you go to a pastor, go to your local pastor and maybe speak with them. Uh, you know, get help if you need to. Read the Bible. Pray to God. Really, the big thing, pray to God. Pray to God. Ask him to help in your marriage. Help, ask God to help you to be able to respect and love and submit to your spouse and do as they, and you know, and, and do for them as Christ would do for you. Maybe that's the key. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I hope you do it as well. May God bless you all. I love you. I love you all. God bless you all. God bless. Bye-bye now.